Welcome back to American Graffiti, one song at a time. I am your host, Rachel Mummert, and with me today is Brian Lockhart, the co-host of Marine Corps Movie Minute. Welcome, Brian. Hey, Rachel. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us today. Um, When we have a section of the movie where Steve is despondent in the burger burger palace and learns just where Lori has gone to. Now, this song is appropriate for Steve's attitude right very, now. It's, it's very I tragic. I thought this was the perfect song for this section, especially where Lori is and how reckless Bob Falfa can be. And we know that there's an epic race on the horizon. So it's a very appropriate I'm I'm actually very upset that I didn't make that connection ahead of time. <laughs> but that's a perfect point. Yeah, because because I you know I was um well when I first was uh, when this song was first mentioned, and I know the difference between Earth Angel and Teen Angel, but for whatever reason I was I had my head my head stuck on Earth Angel. Yeah, so me all my too. Back, right so like because that's the more, I think that's the more. I mean, it's not going to say maybe more famous, but maybe more popular or more in pop culture because of Back to the Future. Mm-hmm. So, really, so now all my Back to the Future jokes are are worthless for this recording. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it, it kind of led me down a rabbit hole looking at Teen Angel because I, I had a I, I'm very familiar with this, you know, like the oldies, if you will. Because uh, I mean, that's what my you know my parents listen to that stuff all the time, and, and it's so I mean, some of it is so good that you just you can't help but like it. And I, I also grew up with, especially my dad listening to a lot of the oldies. And I remember once I, you know, listened to the song again, I'm like, oh, man, I remember hearing this when I was younger. And it's really, it it's like, ouch, it's a really tragic song. And just the, when you listen to it, just the musicality of it is really stark and like, oh. <laughs> oh, for sure. Like, I, <laughs> I it made me... um I actually was doing just a little bit of research on the song, and it really wasn't being played in some areas uh, because it was considered too sad. They said it was it was banned in some, <laughs> you know, some radio stations. But despite that, it still it still gained popularity, and it kind of led me down a rabbit hole of. It made me think of Last Kiss. Def, that's yeah, that's the second one that I I remember very well, like of the other teen tragedy songs of the time. Right. <laughs> And so I was like, what is it with like, you you know, teenagers in the late 50s, early 60s that they were that they were all dying and were singing songs about it. And it's and and I it led me to find a whole bunch of let's just put it like this. There's enough of these kind of like teen tragedies that there was I literally found a it was a CD or a CD. It was probably a record or a tape in the eighties, <laughs> right? That came out. And listen to me, I'm saying CD like it wouldn't be in like an MP3 nowadays or something. But <laughs> <laughs> showing my age, but yeah, it was like from the eighties, and it was a compilation of teen tragedies from the late fifties and sixties. So I was like, well, there's definitely enough, uh, you know, out there to have a you know a whole album of it. And it's so odd to think because you think of your years as a teen and tragedy and what happens in these songs is not the first. I mean, when you're a teen, you're like the whole 
my whole life is ahead of me. Like the possibilities are endless. I'm invincible. So it's kind of, you know, everything that happens in these songs is not in the forefront of your mind when you're a teen. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, And I I wonder like why, what it was about that time that that some of these songs were kind of popular. I mean, I know Pearl Jam redid Last Kiss and that was very popular when they did it. And, you know, the songs of the late 90s, you know, the grunge, they were very angsty. And, you know, so there's a lot of angst that comes out that teenagers can kind of... So maybe that was like their their wholesome version of, of angst was just singing about, you know, lost love through death usually. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but, but yeah, you don't, you don't really think about it, but a lot of it has to do with car crashes or racing or like leader of the pack. You know, that, that, that was actually on that tragedy as well. Because it's a little more upbeat, I didn't really think about it in those terms, but you're right. It ends with him dying. So so I like, you know, this type of music and, and although Teen Angel isn't probably like one that I would like, yeah, hey, I'm gonna throw it on the radio. <laughs> I know. Unless it's just, you know, I've had a crappy day. Yeah. <laughs> Everything's uh well, I know where I was stumbling, you know, through my words trying to to, to think of when I was looking at this some of the songs from this this teen tragedy album that I discovered, I was trying to see which ones I could remember because I didn't always know the names of some of the less popular ones. Oh, yeah. You can remember a lot of the lyrics, but it's like, I don't know the name of this actual song. <laughs> right, right. So one of, the, one of the commenters on YouTube said, why do teenagers fall in love so hard? Teenagers, it's not that serious. Please stop falling in love so hard. Don't take don't take everything so serious. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I just thought it was the funniest. I don't know why it struck me as funny, <laughs> just because because I've listened to all these depressing songs about you know a, 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 you know your your best gal dying in a car crash, and then this guy's like, hey, don't take our life so serious, teenagers. It's just it's just life, you know. Move on. <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> but at that age, it isn't. I mean, that's your whole life is now <laughs> right right well and it's funny too it's like once you have your heart broken the first time as like a teenager you start to understand all the songs like before it's like they didn't make any sense and now you're like man this is life man you know yep <laughs> yep yep mad teenagers are dumb <laughs> <laughs> it is though i mean you know it's true you look back and you're like why why did all that matter so much it doesn't matter in this scheme of life but <laughs> that's easy to say in hindsight <laughs> right like you said i mean it, that's all there is right then and and you're just so wound up any anyways at that point and you're and you're looking to the future and uh but sometimes you can't see past your own nose yeah <laughs> oh yeah and when you're a teen, it is all, I mean, you are more self-focused at that point, too. <laughs> yeah. Now, sadly, some people never grow out of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is very true. <laughs> so one one thing I noticed as, as the song starts and as the scene starts, Steve, you know, Ron Howard is sitting there messing with the salt. And he's kind of sulking. And I said, man, is this, is this like, was George Lucas trying to tell us something? Like, is Steve salty right now? Oh, I like that connection. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't, yeah. I, and I love those little details of, <laughs> that you can be like, oh, yeah. Does that really mean he's very salty? Which I, I mean, the way he acts in this, you very well, he does seem very salty, just... Oh, yeah. Because the girls come in and they're like, how's Lori or where's Lori? And he's just like pretty much like, you know, I don't know, who cares? Go away. And then they're like, we know where she is. 
<laughs> and he's just like, so what? <laughs> Karen and Judy are are terrible in this. Like, <laughs> at least this scene. I was I I my note said something along the lines of, are these like the original Mean Girls? They could not wait to just rub it in Steve's face that oh, we know where Lori is, and she ain't with you. <laughs> they had had that whole like cat ate the canary smirks on their face, and they <laughs> exactly. come right in and sit right down, and it's like. Who does that? Who does that to somebody who just had their heart broken? <laughs> right. It's one thing if if Steve was being a jerk, like at the moment. Like he's clearly sulking and they're just either throwing salt on the wound, actually. So there you go with the salt. There you go. Another one. <laughs> but, you know, that being said, Steve, hey, his character's a little iffy throughout the movie. <laughs> yeah, he, early on, he is a bit of a smug jerk uh, at times. So it's almost like he's getting his comeuppance right here. But 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 I'm focusing only just on this scene and here's these two, these two girls these two girls coming in and just kind of like, "Oh, we can't wait to just ruin his night more." Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's like, "Dude, I'm playing with salt. What does that say about my current state?" Right. <laughs> exactly. I did see when looking up um cuz I was curious for as much screen time as they had gotten, the two girls. And I only found an entry for Judy, who is, it said on IMDb, was played by Susan Richardson, which I think her big claim to fame was being on Eight is Enough. You know, that name sounded familiar. And I mean, but I would have never guessed her, you know, guessed that from Eight is Enough, which I did used to watch this show as a kid. Okay, yeah. I never did, but I, I mean, I recognize the title of the show. I never watched it. Yeah, first season, I think, had Mark Hamill before he was replaced by the... Yeah, it was always funny to see that. I'm like, what is Luke Skywalker doing on this? <laughs> How is he on Earth? <laughs> it must have been his cousin. Um, uh, <laughs> I can't think of his cousin's name. Uh, yeah, I think... It, well, I, I guess it was just Mark Hamill was his cousin for on, on The Muppet Show, where I was trying to go with this and failing miserably. <laughs> yeah, I, you know what? I did... I was actually going down... Because I... I thought I was more familiar with this movie than I really was. For some reason, I thought I had seen this movie at least once. And the more I watched the movie recently, I, I, there's whole scenes I, I had no recollection of whatsoever. And then I started making me think, I'm like, you know, my mom loved this movie, so it was on. So I definitely saw bits and pieces there. And I've seen clips whenever people, you know, like, oh, George Lucas's greatest hits. And like I've, the, the part with the, the cop car, like that. That, oh, that's burned yeah. It. yeah, that's burned <laughs> in my brain. But and I knew all the like the the main. I thought I knew all the main stars, but I didn't know like Mackenzie Phillips was the the little girl uh, riding around with John. So, but I but that's what I noticed on IMDb. And if you weren't like one of the main people, it, it really it, it was a lot of like it was. I didn't really see a lot of the background people. And there's a lot to keep track of too. If you're trying to, you're like, wait, who was that again? What was their name? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, in fact, I I made sure I'm like, do they? I mean, it, this this part's pretty simple. He says Judy and Karen pretty outright, <laughs> but a lot of the names too are just so like Steve, John, like they're just very, <laughs> very uh, just everyday names. So there's nothing that really stands out. It's almost kind of like in Karate Kid where everybody's name is like Bobby, Tommy, Johnny, and it's like, <laughs> yeah. it's like you can't keep any of them straight who they are. <laughs> Even in recording, after a while, I'm just like, wait a second, that Steve, Steve, you're like, wait, was that Steve? Was that Kurt? You're just like, I can't keep them straight anymore. And it's like, okay. <laughs> right. And, 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 you know, my default too is to go back, like, if I, like, I would just be calling Steve 
Opie Cunningham the whole time. You know, oh, just, yeah, yeah. It's just something like that, or 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 by the actor's name. It's just it's just easier for me. <laughs> and that's one thing. I this movie. It's it's funny because it's like, yeah, Steve is no Richie Cunningham or Opie. I mean, from the get go of this movie, he's a he's just a he's a jerk. And like you said, this is kind of his, I think, getting kicked out of the car and left by Lori in the canal. That really is his turning point in this movie (laughs) to be like, I can't just be like that. I can't, I can't treat, especially, you know, Lori like that. I can't. (laughs) Right. He was, I think he was just kind of being like a, like a smug, well, obviously he's a teenager, but he's like, I'm, I'm going off to college. I'm a man now. You know, I don't, this is all child's play to me. (laughs) And and he's, it's just very, well, you know, I said smug and, and that's just kind of how he is. He's just pretentious, really more than anything he's not all bad because because even when laurie's just laying there and he's like well not like this yeah <laughs> so, yeah so i'm like all right he's, he's not i mean you know he's got some redeeming qualities <laughs> <laughs> yeah because i think i covered that was probably one of the most awkward minutes i think i covered <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i get yeah, but yeah, he has enough to be like, okay, whatever. Like, <laughs> I'm not doing it like this. <laughs> he's he's just a dumbass teenager, is really what it is, and he thinks he's a little bit more. Well, like I said, he's pretentious. He's a little bit just more. He thinks he's probably smarter than he is, more worldly than he is. He thinks he's a big shot going off to college. Of course, there's a lot of there's a there's a bit of movie left to discuss. <laughs> so, so yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> and I wonder if he thinks because I mean we're in. In the town they live in now, like he's a big, big fish in a small pond. And I think, you know, he thinks that will translate over to when he leaves and goes, potentially goes to college. So it's one of those wake up calls where it's like when you go and leave your hometown, you're, you know, a small fish in a big pond. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because he was, um, he was the school president, class president or something like that. Or was he valid? Yeah, they they mentioned it at the dance, which which I had to laugh because Lori was the head cheerleader, and I think he was either like like I said valedictorian or class president or something like that. But it wasn't like typically you would see in these movies. It's the head cheerleader and like the quarterback. But Ron Howard's not playing any quarterback, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I had to have a little look in the mirror watching. Uh, Ron Howard sulk here for a little bit because he's trying to be tough and he really doesn't come off as tough, you know, when he's when he's like, so what, big deal. And even though I'm not a redhead, you know, I'm blonde as all get out. I got the, you know, I got some freckles on the face. And I mean, I've had I've had some people call me, you know, what you looking at, Richie Cunningham? <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so when he's trying to be tough, I'm like, oh my God, is this what I looked like when I was trying to be tough at like 17? <laughs> I'm like, yes, it is. <laughs> yeah, then we kind of segue into once he learns that Lori's hanging around with Bob Falfa and the, uh, oh, what do they call it? The, uh, oh, I had it written down. Where is it? They call his truck the, uh, oh, I thought I had it written down because <laughs> it surprised me. But yeah, his his sweet truck, I'll just say his cute guy in a it's a cute guy in a boss car. Boss car. That's yeah. right. I knew I had it written down too. And I couldn't find it. I'm like, where did I write it? Because I was like, wow, they did use the word boss. Like back then too, you know, they'd be like, that's a boss car. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I'm surprised. I, I wish they would have said something about him. Like, yeah, he's riding around with a hairy dog or something like that. 
Yeah, yeah. Like a sweet yeah. teen and a hairy dog and a yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, big walking carpet. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. You you could definitely, I mean, for me, it's like you definitely see the, how, how Lucas kind of came up with Han Solo, you know, like, or how at least Harrison Ford decided to play Han Solo. It's very much a hot rod guy, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. Because we had, uh, I think me and yeah, Jim O'Kane and I talked about that in, um, I think, the the minutes kind of preceding this with Milner when he is leaving the garage and when um, Toad is hot, hot wiring the Impala. And, you know, he talks about his car, you know, and we just talk about how many modifications he's probably made. So we're just like, hmm, is Milner supposed to be kind of the Han Solo of this movie? <laughs> and if so, who who is his Chewbacca? <laughs> I mean, I hate to say it's Lori, right? Is that, I know. Is that... <laughs> I know. <laughs> but she spends the most time with him, unless, unless you want to say it's Terry because, you know, of what maybe comes up in the future. Yeah. But but it's definitely Lori because they definitely travel around together. In fact, um, yeah, we've already we've already seen the part where he gives the the gear shift to her, and yes. that's kind yeah. that's kind of like you know Han Solo giving the um, the dice that are that are hanging from the Falcon. So, <laughs> which is ironic because in this movie he has like a skull as yeah. the uh, hanging in his on his uh, rear view, rear view mirror. It's like wow. <laughs> like I, I, I really like Harrison Ford, and um, I think he's you know can he? I don't know if I would say he's a great actor. He's great for what he does. He's kind of like a Clint Eastwood type actor. Like I love Clint Eastwood, but I you know Clint Eastwood's good for what he does. Harrison Ford is the same way, but man, that Southern Hick accent that he was doing, it, I was, it, <laughs> I, I was like, that's not quite. <laughs> I mean, I think it, I, I enjoyed it. It was funny, but I enjoyed it for I think the wrong reasons. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think that too. I think seeing him at, in other, I mean, if I had seen this movie at the time it had been released, maybe, but in you know seeing Han or. Sorry, Harrison Ford. <laughs> and so many other things. Yeah, he'll always be Han Solo to me. And then seeing him in this, it, you do enjoy it because you're just like, that is not the Harrison Ford I know. But it's so funny because it's because his accent and everything is just so just a little bit not right. <laughs> right. It's it's he's trying. He's trying for sure. But it is you know it's like. You know, and I, I, you know, I, I, I'm from upstate New York, but I live in the South now. So I, I mean, I hear all sorts of different um, accents, if you will. <laughs> and I'm like, this isn't really like any accent I've heard. <laughs> it's funny because I, I live in Ohio, born and raised in Ohio, have always, have lived here my entire life. And I ran, uh, it was a long time ago. I ran into one of my former classmates that I had gone to middle school with, so like sixth through eighth grade. And we were talking and he's like, you know, have you lived in Ohio your whole life? And I was like, yeah, you know, born and raised in Ohio. And he's like, huh. And I'm like, oh, he's like, it's funny because <laughs> when we went to school together, I always thought you were from the South because of your accent. And I was like, oh, <laughs> I was just like, what? <laughs> I have... I do not speak like that. I didn't think. <laughs> right. Well, I don't I don't hear, you know, like 
like a southern accent coming from you. Yeah. But I have <laughs> worked with people from Ohio and I joke that he must have come from the south part of Ohio because he I would have I was convinced he was not, you know, for you know, I've been to Ohio and it's like people don't they sound like New Yorkers for the most part or upstate New Yorkers. And, uh, and I was laughing. I'm like, where is this guy from? But he's from Ohio, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we do have the uh yeah, southern Ohio. <laughs> Where there's actually hills. Right, right. I'm from the northern, northwestern part where there's really not many hills at all. It's pretty flat. <laughs> well, that, that's like, I, you know, I grew up in not New York City, but, you know, one, one of the upstate, you know, western cities. It's funny. It's like you drive, you know, 10 minutes outside of the city and, you know, 10, 15 minutes and it's it's all farmland. And so people, you know, when you say you're from New York, they're, they're expecting, you know, they're expecting, hey, hey, how you doing? And I'm like, no, it's... <laughs> It's mostly farmland up there. It's, you know, New York City is its own thing, you know. <laughs> but all right, so has, has anybody brought up the name Bob Felfa? I mean, that's all, all I can think of is he's got to have somebody named Al that he's related to. <laughs> I would hope so. His father, Al Felfa. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it just writes itself. <laughs> I can imagine him, you know, his girlfriend going home to meet the family and his dad coming out and having that little, like, hair... <laughs> hairstyle that alfalfa has a little <laughs> cowlick that sticks up exactly that'd be funny if bob falfa took his hat off and had the same that would yeah that would have been great i think nowadays if this movie was made today that that you would have gotten a scene like that and a little wink to the camera what would have happened <laughs> but yeah i haven't had i haven't had too many minutes with bob falfa yeah he's i mean i was it's funny because i remember you know Long time before with this um, particular movie, and then saying like, "Yeah, I know Harrison Ford's in it," and they're like, eh, "Don't don't watch it if you think Harrison Ford's in it because he's not in it as much as you think." And and it's true. I I feel like he's in it more towards the end, which you know, obviously we're approaching the end, but yeah, he he's he's just kind of sporadically here and there, uh, challenging or looking for John. But he he gets a, there's a I, there's a funny moment with him and Lori. And I don't know if it's before or after this. I'm assuming after, and and it just made me laugh because it's it's. I'm like, there's the Harrison Ford I know. <laughs> it's like one of the looks he gives. I'm like, there, there he is. Oh yeah. That. <laughs> but you know, so Ron, Ho Ron Howard, but you know, Steve is is brooding, especially when he finds out that she's you know with Bob and 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 knowing what's going to happen and just well, just knowing too that they basically broke up and even leading up to that, he's like talking about seeing other people and Bob's supposed to be this cool dude and he's cute. And he's got a great car and all that good stuff. But, you know, in the end, I think Ron Howard gets his revenge over, uh, you know, the, character, the the actor that would be Han Solo because he ends up directing that solo Star Wars story. To, you know, <laughs> he does. You know, oh, man. It's, you know, and it's, you know, it's an okay movie. <laughs> I didn't even make that. Oh, man. I didn't even make that connection. That's that's amazing. <laughs> like, I'm not even going to cast you. I'm going to recast your character. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And we're going to find out the origin of your last name and... <laughs> exactly. We'll, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll mess that... Not mess it up, but we'll, <laughs> we'll at least... Um, <laughs> we'll take the mystery out of it. Exactly. It's an origin we didn't need. Let's just put it like that. <laughs> I, I didn't know there was a mystery. <laughs> Me neither. I just accepted that, hey, that's his name. <laughs> that's just his name. Right, right. <laughs> so, you know, before... Before um, Steve gets up to leave, the whole time he's sitting there, I can only think of like really what's what's drawing my eye more than than his brooding and these and the gloating by the girls, is that um the jukebox on the 
on the table where you could flip and uh at the diner like yeah i grew up going to diners like that and usually it was like for breakfast and you know i always loved being able to put like a quarter in and and play teen angel if you wanted i i'm sure that's that that definitely was not one i chose but (laughs) (laughs) wonder if steve chose it if he was just brooding and he's like fine this is how i feel teen angels what i'm gonna choose i bet you he didn't as a matter (laughs) of fact he probably put in about a dollar's worth of teen angel so it's just gonna play on repeat He's like, if I'm not happy, nobody in this diner is going to be happy. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I, um, you know, I was in the Marine Corps and I had, I had a roommate of mine. He broke up with this girl and he kept playing that Kid Rock. I think it was Put Your Picture Away. That one, you yes. know. Yes. Oh my gosh. That song. Oh man. <laughs> I, I think it was that one, but there was another. There might have been one other slow one that he did before that. Uh, I can't remember. Okay. Either way, the, the story still works regardless. It was a sad kid rock song, and he <laughs> he would he would listen to it over and over again. So I remember <laughs> being with my girlfriend at the time, and and she had an apartment away, and so the two of us went up there, and he's like, ah. Oh. So we went to bed, and we're like, hey man, you all right? You good? Nah, I'm just gonna hang out here, drink a beer, do this and that. All right, okay, fine, cool. I said, I bet she's listening to that damn song. And she said, nah, <laughs> nah, he's just going to go to bed. I said, nah. I said, I bet you. So sure enough, I woke up before him in the morning. I hit eject on that on the CD player, and that damn CD was right there. I said, I told you. He was sitting there all night long. He's quietly listening to that song on repeat. I swear to goodness. <laughs> I laughed so hard at that. I was like, I told you. I told you. So, <laughs> So that's, you know, that that's Steve. He's sitting there listening to Teen Angel over and over again. And <laughs> <laughs> I say, it's the only place he can. He doesn't have his car yet, so. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, this is another thing you could tell about, like, how Steve really, he's starting to realize that, you know, he's being an idiot and, and liking Lori more. Is he doesn't even question the fact that his car is missing. No, no, that, that just, I mean, from the time that Toad tells him, even though he tries to, you know, he tries to pass it off with Debbie as, you know, oh, the car got stolen. Yeah. <laughs> and he doesn't, you know, he's not like, what? He's just as, you know, he's in that headspace of Lori's gone, you know, we're broken up. That's where his head's at and stuck at. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, if, realistically, he, that, he'd, he'd probably take all his anger about Lori out on toe to that oh, point. Oh, definitely. You know, what? You know, like if, that, if, it was, <laughs> if it was a different movie, that's what would have happened. <laughs> John would have had to save, uh, save Toad from, from, from Steve, not the, not the, you know, oh, not the guys yeah. that stole the, <laughs> the car. <laughs> And I love watching that the Impala pull up in that parking spot and order cherry cokes. And he's like, "No, just just ice." <laughs> oh, that, <laughs> like that's my that's, face. <laughs> I love that scene. See, I didn't think I was gonna like Terry as much as I did. Oh you know, yeah, me neither. Yeah, he's he's great, and it's because you know uh, that actor. And uh, let's see, I always forget his name. So uh. <laughs> Charles Charles Martin Smith. There you go. Yes, thank you. He's, I mean, I like he's on The Untouchables, and I think he's great in that. Like, I, that's one that's of that's my one. introduction to him, and I was like, yes. <laughs> yeah, he's great at it. Yeah, I mean, that's where I know him from the most. But like, my mom used to watch the movie where he's with the wolves. Never Cry Wolf. That's what it was. Oh, where he, yeah. He went and lived with the wolves and all that. And I vivid memories of him, like basically stripping down and 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 you know being out in the woods with, the, and then he tries to eat the the raw like 
whatever animal it was he caught <laughs> it was like because he was trying to be like the wolf and it's like like i remember that but yeah he's i mean he's one of those that guys that shows up in a lot of things oh yeah because i uh watch it's not on anymore the show psych yeah and on one of the rewatches because I, um i i was watching and for some reason that moment like just like you said you know he's one of those guys and one of like the facial cues i was like wait a second and i looked it up and i was like it's charles martin smith like it, and then the more i watched that episode i'm like yep yep okay how did i not notice this before <laughs> <laughs> right right but he's very much that same kind of person that he is here and in the untouchables and i mean he has that that guy quality yeah, he 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 plays very kind of well, nerdy a lot of times, but in in like even in the Untouchables, a lot like Terry here actually. Honestly, even though Terry's a bit more of a kind of a dork, you know the the character he plays in Untouchables, he does have a couple moments where he's being you know like a tough guy, even though he's the nerdy book guy, he still does his job, and and even though Terry is you know, the dork of the group. He does pull through, you know, he finds a way to get booze. Yeah. <laughs> he gets a, he gets a girl. He, he, he has a, you know, he pretends to have a cool car. And, but <laughs> like, even though he gets his butt kicked, he does try to stand up to those guys <laughs> to oh, get yeah. the car back. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, thank goodness John was there, but. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a funny, oh, well, b- before we get to that, there's, I, you know, you said about him pulling up. The funniest thing to me was when he, he, goes to order and he just says help <laughs> yeah yeah and he's like no 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 actually and then he realizes that don't give me cherry cokes give me just ice i just need the ice because <laughs> i was like that'd be awfully sticky to take out the ice of a cherry coke <laughs> <laughs> then you have bees and wasps oh my god that would just coming at your worst. face and <laughs> yeah. i know i do like when he's like help and he's like oh wait <laughs> uh, no yeah no. <laughs> and he and he does he pulls in he almost hit i mean it's funny because if, if you actually look at the scene, as he pulls up, it looks like he's getting really close to hitting building. But then when he's ordering, he's pulled back. So, <laughs> I, you know, I never realized that. Well, first of all, I would say Terry, the actor, reminds me of a guy I went to school with. I mean, like not not dorky like that and definitely didn't wear 50s clothes. But he <laughs> he physically looked like him. And I was like, man, the whole time I'm pit- picturing, I'm like, yeah, I went to high. I, went to high, I basically went to high school with Terry, you know. <laughs> <laughs> One of my favorite things about Terry is, as the movie progresses, just how he kind of slowly falls apart, (laughs) becomes more disheveled, like his hair, and obviously, like, after his encounter with those goons, his glasses are kind of broken, but... It's just like he's slowly falling apart as the night goes on. (laughs) (laughs) This is like the worst night and the best night of his life, you know? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, he's definitely, it's it's been a rough go for him. (laughs) You know, I I do like when, because I'm I'm just like, I'm watching the minute too, like as as it's in the background. And I like when John's like, after after Terry sits down, John's like, hey, where's your car? You didn't lose it again, did you? (laughs) I know. (laughs) (laughs) Like they literally seen before, it's when they got it back which is hilarious <laughs> it's just funny that they're talking about a car it's like again <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah or debbie even points it out wait you practically get killed trying to get the car back and you just give it to him and yeah you know and of course that's where you know he he kind of fesses up that you know it's all kind of a sham he's just been kind of leading her on this not, not leading, you know kind of giving her some lines this whole time yeah i know in previous minutes we talked about it because we find out you know he 
hotwired the car because the you know he didn't have the keys and so it was you know I was kind of watching to be like okay when how does that work if he hotwires it and then you know he gets out and Steve gets in but Steve kind of just pretty much pulls him out of the car and jumps in. So, and we, it's yeah, like, you know, does he ever notice, you know, like, what, what, where's my keys? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Well, yeah, because what's going to happen when he goes to leave again and it, after he shut yeah. it off? Or, yeah, because, yeah, I don't, yeah, the car's never off when they pull up. And so, yeah, it's, 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 I mean, that's fairly seamless what happens there. But, and it's funny because I kept waiting for the scene where you see him. Uh, Terry reached for the keys out of like the pocket of the guy after John beat him up and it never happened. So I'm like, oh, like where, so we can pretend that happened. And and then the movie or, but they, but right on screen, they never show that the car was off or anything. So it's not like, you know, Steve had to re, had to hotwire it. Now, do you think John taught Terry something like that? Or do you think they all just knew it because they're all kind of car guys? That's what I wondered too, because when Terry proposes that, that surprised me because he's the one that I would least expect to know how to hotwire a car, I guess, out of the group of guys. <laughs> right. Well, unless unless he's had to do something like that with his Vespa. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of his Vespa, I love as he is kind of fessing up, you know, actually, this isn't my car. And Debbie's like, well, what about the Jeep? And <laughs> you can see his Vespa very clearly in the background. And I love that. And I love that it's in the exact same spot that it has been since the beginning of the movie. <laughs> yep, all night long. Well, and it's funny because even when she says, you know, how do I get home? And of course, goes over to these just random dudes, which, you know, is not a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. This is definitely a different time. <laughs> of course, it's supposed to be small town USA as well. So it's, uh, you know, maybe it was a little safer in the 50s, but don't do that. Don't go to strangers <laughs> and ask for a ride home. There's a payphone right there. But also, Terry has a Vespa. He could... It's safer to ride home on a Vespa without a helmet than it is to go with three strange guys in a car to get. <laughs> don't do that. That's our PSA for this movie. <laughs> yeah, the more you know. Do 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 do. <laughs> and I wondered too because she comes back, so I'm like, did they turn her down or did she just feel? bad you know because she realizes like hey he was just trying to impress me and because she comes back and I'm like wait a second did they say no <laughs> or did she say like hey can you give me and Terry over there a ride and they're just like no not him too <laughs> right I think uh I'm gonna say that they probably were like no we're you know no but then she saw him sitting there sulking was like felt bad you know because because you know she's gonna go have a conversation with him which when she's standing over him in one of the scenes i think it's the scene like the the second where she's saying well how do i get home uh i think her name's candy clark uh debbie she she reminded me so much of parker posey in this scene like in these scenes especially when she's looking down like just the way it was filmed i'm like oh my god i'm like this and i i'm like she reminds me of parker posey (laughs) i'm not really too familiar with candy candy clark i tried to look her up but i mean it seems like she worked a lot but it's not like i was like oh that's you know so and so she's pretty funny in this movie i mean debbie the debbie character yeah she's just out for a good time (laughs) clearly likes the bad boys which terry is the opposite of although he is he's got a new persona now he's tiger you know (laughs) I love that. I love when he, <laughs> you call me tiger. It's like, yeah. oh, okay, they do? <laughs> right. He looks like a tiger. Yeah, he does. <laughs> and I love, what I love about her character too is just how natural 
It feel like she plays it so naturally that you can. I mean, it's very believable that she is Debbie. Oh yeah. I know. In reading through some material, it's like a lot of her flubs. You know, like line flubs were kind of kept in the movie as is. Oh. And it helps because it does seem more natural. I mean, that that, that her character would do that. Yeah, I mean, people don't talk as eloquently as they are as they usually do in movies. So, especially when these are supposed to be a bunch of teenagers, and I have to imagine some of these may be teenagers, but most of them are probably in their twenties. That's it's a little more realistic to be goofy and awkward, you know, especially when you're a teenager. Especially when you're trying to, I mean, maybe it's just sometimes you are cool, but sometimes you're just trying to be cool. And, you know, and you say, you know, you say stupid things. I mean, I, I'm in my 40s and I say stupid things all the time. <laughs> well, and I think Toad shows a lot of that when he's trying to be the tough guy and he's, you know, his tiger persona. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you can definitely tell, like, he's... Yeah, but we, we get this breaking point here where he's just like, he just fesses up to everything. It's not my car. <laughs> he's like, I don't I don't have a car. What about your Jeep? I don't have a Jeep. <laughs> <laughs> he's just, he's like, oh, I basically made it all up, you know. <laughs> I think he's so defeated at that point, too. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's like, I do not want to get beat up anymore. I don't want to throw up anymore. Like, I. <laughs> yep. Oh, right. I totally forgot about that. Like, you know, she's like, oh, he likes the. <laughs> He, he drinks all the time, or he likes oh, it. He's only, that was pretty funny. Yeah, <laughs> that whole, he has a whole audience. It's like, oh, great. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she just, but she still plays it off like, oh, he loves to drink. <laughs> oh, I know. And that's what I do like about it. You know, she tries, she tries to, you know, keep his tough guy persona intact in that moment. <laughs> right, right. I think she does like him, so it's just kind of like, just try to see through <laughs> the, the, the obvious lies. <laughs> but it, it's pretty funny. Now I um I totally forgot like as I was watching this I'm like oh I've been to Mel's diner or Mel's drive-in a few times I and of course when I say that I've I've been to Universal Studios Florida a few times and I've eaten there but for some reason I was always thinking that the the Mel's drive-in at at Universal was based on Kiss My Grits Mel's Diner. And I'm like, how stupid am I? I mean, there's classic cars all over the place. It literally says Mel's Drive-In, not Mel's Diner. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I've totally been to this, you know, place. This is, it's it's not as cool as, as it looks here, you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> but they put the classic cars out front and, you know, it, 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 makes, you, it makes you think you're there. You know, it's, it's cool. That's one of the, I like about just seeing all the different cars in this movie is... I, I, I like that too. I mean, I'm not like a car aficionado by any means, but it's just neat to see the different styles yeah. and everything that that existed. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I like those old, you know, those old cars like that myself. Like I said, I'm not, I'm not really a car guy, but I, I do like compared to most modern cars. I'm just like this, like the I like these old kind of. Yeah, I really like actually Harrison Ford's car. I think that that was pretty pretty awesome i don't like john's as much actually i mean it's kind of neat when i see him around town every once in a while like or you know because he's clearly on its way to a car show or somebody just has it or if i'm at a car show or something and i see it but but yeah like i like i like bob elf you know bob felfa's um car i think the most but you know steve steve's car reminds me i had my buddy of mine again a buddy from the marine corps he did something similar to what steve was doing he he had to go on a a, a ship for six months so and he had an old it was red it was about twice the size of any of the cars in this show that's how big it was it was like a boat and it was like a i think it was a ford and it was a convertible red you know old 60s car and he just and he had it but it, it 
you had to kind of, he couldn't let it sit for six months, basically. So he, he lent me his keys and said, Hey, just do me a favor and drive it around once in a while and <laughs> just, and, and keep it, you know, keep an eye on it for me while I was gone. And, and, um, I, I didn't drive it much because I didn't feel like I had my own truck and I didn't feel responsible, not, not responsible. I didn't want to be responsible if anything oh, yeah. happened in the darn I thing. That. Yeah. But it, it was, and it, and it had, you know, it had its moments with mechanical issues. So I didn't want to, you know, be out and about driving to the beach and all of a sudden I can't get home. <laughs> not when I had a tree, you know, my own, but it was, um, yeah, it was kind of the same deal. Like I had this access to this pretty awesome car for, you know, a few months and got to drive it around here and there. It was, you know, I move it, you know, cover it when it was, you know, going to rain or any, or, you know, stuff like that. But it, yeah, it was, that's, that's the closest I've gotten to access to this kind of older car like that. Which I guess makes more, or that helps make more sense of earlier in the movie, like what, why Steve would let Toad just have kind of like custody of the car. But I guess that makes sense, you know, to keep up maintenance and everything of the car while he's away at college. Yeah, I, I, it's funny though that like, I feel like that, I mean, they like Toad obviously, but I feel like maybe they think he's like the most incompetent of them or at least the most accident prone. So you'd almost be wonder why, you'd almost think you'd ask John to just keep an eye on it for him. Oh, uh, yeah. Because, the, you know, he's clearly the car guy of the bunch. Kurt, he, he's going to, you know, he's supposed, you know, supposed to be leaving with, with Steve in the morning. So, yeah, I mean, who do you leave it to? And it, clearly he's not going to leave it to Lori because probably because, one, she's a girl. Can't leave yeah. a car to a girl in the 50s or 60s, you know, he can't do that. <laughs> but also it's, you know, because he's basically planning to break her heart tonight. So you, <laughs> you don't want to leave your car with a woman scorned. Yeah. <laughs> You're just asking for trouble. <laughs> I've seen enough YouTube videos to, to know that that's probably a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was gonna say this this movie. This is where I was really going with it. I for some reason I thought it was in the fifties because I I guess I was confusing it with Happy Days, which clearly Happy Days was influenced by this movie big time, uh, especially with like the opening of like Rock Around the Clock or it's like I'm like oh because you know I like I said I was saying like I hadn't really seen this movie the way I thought I had. So when I sat down to watch all the way, I was like oh so Mel's Diner, which is Arnold's, you know, <laughs> I'm like. Rock around the clock. It opens the rock around the clock. Okay, well, there you go. I mean, and then, you know, the, the casting choices. I mean, they used to call John Fonzie and give him a motorcycle instead of a car, and there you go. Because cause honestly, I was thinking about that. Like, John, like, he's a tough guy, but, like, he's the nice tough guy. He hangs out with guys that maybe aren't as cool as him. Like, like Kurt, and that, like, even, you know, Steve is probably popular because he was, like, you know, class president or whatever. But Steve and Kurt, they kind of seem like just... They seem like you know Potsy and 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 Richie. Like they're they're not like they're not dorky like Terry, but they're not like cool like some of the like somebody like John. And yet you know they're they're all friends like that. And 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 same with like Fonzie was always like looking out for um, a Joni and and stuff like that. Like he was always the same kind of the same way John was kind of. Yeah, you're not so bad, you know, like, you you know, you can hang out with me. I don't know. I definitely see some similarities. That's all. <laughs> Do you connect with like any character in particular more than others? Or do you relate more to one character over others as you thinking back to like when you were that age? Yeah, I, I mean, like, honestly, I would say I, I was an amalgamation if i say that we're right because i'm terrible with words uh but i'm like a combination of probably each and every one of the the four main friends because 
I thought I was as tough as John, but I would, but I was like physically like Steve. <laughs> and I remember, I would say, I remember, I even remember being like, oh, when I'm, when if I, you know, if I'm dating somebody when I leave for the Marine Corps, I'm just going to break up with them. And of course, I was dating somebody when I left for the Marine Corps, and I didn't break up with them. You know, <laughs> because like, I was so smart and mature, I was just like, you know, why stay? To, of course, and then my dump, you know, you know, then I didn't do what I said I was going to do. So, uh, so, I, so I have a little bit of Steve in me. Honestly, even a little bit of, uh, I would say, actually, probably, I, I was going to go with Terry because maybe not as dorky, at least not like not to think so, but his just like everything going wrong. <laughs> <laughs> was kind of was kind of like, like that's me. But if I really had to think about it, if I re- if I had to be honest, probably Richard Dreyfuss's character, because it's like you get up to a little no, you know, you're kind of just floating between your group of friends. You're not really sure what you're gonna do. You know, you're supposed to leave the next day. Yeah, like I, I like I wasn't. I th- he just kind of seemed kind of off on his own, but also he's a part of the group. But he was kind of doing his own thing. Like he has a, like a, like a you know like he gets up to a little bit of mischief. <laughs> although although his mischief was a little bit more um, destruction of government property they were getting involved with. So I like nothing nothing to that level. But you know you like uh, you know I I had those group of friends where I had some that were a little bit you know like they might have been the pharaohs if that was a thing you know. <laughs> but also I had friends like. Toad and and Richie and or Richie Steve or or even a John you know like like really that's kind of my my friends are more like a, like a John like I had some tough guys but they were actually nice guys you know <laughs> for the most part but but and, and so it was like I always like to think that I'm that guy but I'm not I'm 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 Toad I'm really you know that that's how I like I feel like watching the movie again I was like Terry I could totally relate to what he's doing um I could totally relate to him trying to be cooler than he really is but honestly still kind of doing having quite the adventure but then you know but i'm looking at myself and i'm like man i did look a lot like richie cunningham back then <laughs> and i'm only just, just thinking about the you know the Kurt aspect of it and i'm like oh actually his actual character i'm like i can kind of relate to him you know a little bit <laughs> oh yeah i think so too just trying to find his place and you know what he wants to do and ultimately like this night is him kind of Trying out a different persona, but also chasing his dream in the form of, you know, that dream girl that he keeps seeing around. <laughs> yeah, I, that was uh, that's the one thing I couldn't relate to. I wasn't chasing around a, a mysterious woman my last night before I left the Marine Corps. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's all I have in my notes for this minute. Yeah, you- I've exhausted my notes and I forgot the point I was going to make, which is fine. <laughs> I've probably talked enough. It is funny thinking, though, you know, we bring Kurt up now and it's, I feel as in the last few sections that I've covered I we've kind of have lost I think the last time that I had covered anything of Kurt was when he was you know destroying government property in the form of the cruiser yeah. <laughs> and it's kind of like you know his story kind of gets on the back burner throughout the rest of this movie I think I know I was talking with another guest about usually you can identify, you know, here is the main character, here is, you know, the supporting cast. It's like, who, you know, who is the main character in all of this? Is there a main character, you know? Is it all four of, you know, Steve, Kurt, Terry, and John? Or is it one over the other? And it's just like, hmm. Or is that up to you as the viewer? I think it's up to you as a viewer, ultimately. 
going into it, my preconceived notion was Ron Howard was going to be the main character. As the movie was progressing, I was realizing that this was much more of an ensemble piece. But as I'm also watching it, and I was surprised how much John actually was in the movie and fo- a big focus of the movie, especially knowing that Richard Dreyfuss and Ron Howard were in this. I'm like, oh, like these are big stars. Well, you know, they they become you know bigger than these other two. And, and I was still surprised that, like, honestly, I think I think Terry gets a lot of the the majority of the screen time. I feel like because of his story is kind of well, I guess they're all relatable, and that's where I was going to kind of ask you. Who do you think George Lucas saw himself as as his in you know as his um, avatar for the in this movie? And that's a good question because I know he kind of based all the main four off of different aspects of his life. Thank you. That's actually what I at first I was like when I was watching the movie I'm like he's probably Terry you know like he's yeah at this moment in time right. But then I started thinking about it and I'm like he's clearly Kurt because. You know, like he's going to get out of this small town. He's going to do big things, but he's not sure what he wants to do. I'm thinking maybe less uh, Steve, but then again, I'm like, he could be Steve as well because Steve, you know, in the beginning of the movie is the one saying, we're getting out of this hick town. We're getting out of this hick town. And then it's kind of like Kurt the night before they leave is starting to go, do I really want to leave? Do I really want to leave? And then Terry's kind of relatable because as cool as we all think we are, a lot of times we're all just dorky. And and I'm sure Lucas probably f- felt himself kind of more goofy. But again, you know, Terry's not like Revenge of the Nerds level nerd. You know what I mean? Like he's 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 not. He might have gotten teased in school a little bit, but he's because like, they clearly show him getting teased by his own friends. But he's still their friend, and like he's not a complete like spazoid. You know what I mean? Like it's not it's not like comically like he's a real person who's just maybe not as polished or as smooth as these other guys and really he just doesn't have a car and that's what makes him like not as cool as these guys and i think lucas is a big gearhead so you know john could be an aspect of him as well it's nobody's a main character then they all are i guess i always think of this as his kind of like ode to his teenage years growing up in modesto like this is a you know kind of how he imagined it, you know, like his ode to. Yeah. And yeah, like you said, you know, the gearhead part of him. I think Milner is a big aspect of that, especially before his, I mean, because he had, where he crashed, he had that pretty horrific crash that before he kind of gave up on the whole car, <laughs> car idea. So I think that is his persona before. Yeah. It's funny to watch the movie with that kind of lens, and this movie, like you're saying, this def- this movie definitely is a love letter to car culture and to well, obviously to the music of that time, but really just the teenage years um, for sure. And I, that's what makes it so lasting. I think is even though it's set in 1962, a lot of the, the themes and the things that each character goes through throughout the movie is always going to be relatable. No matter what, I mean, looking back on this movie as like a, you know, mid-30s person, mid-30-year-old, I should say, not 1930s person, but... Yes. (laughs) (laughs) You're finally seeing the talkies, you know? (laughs) I've seen the talkies, and they have... (laughs) They have noise now. (laughs) But it's very, you know, it's like, yep, I, you know, like, you know, you try and relate to each character and it's like yep okay that's me then that's me that's me that's me too so it's like yeah and a lot of the themes are very relatable looking back so 
Yeah, I, I, again, I didn't expect that either. I expected just to be like, oh, there's just hot rods the whole movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is actually, um, I, I, I enjoyed this movie. Uh, more than I thought I would, because again, I've I've seen I've seen clips of it and, and bits and pieces, and and I do like how he weaves the music into each scene. The soundtrack's great. There's a it was uh, funnier than I expected too. For some reason, I thought it was a little bit more maybe not serious, but just a little bit more. The, here's the fit. Well, see, I always even though it's the '60s, I kind of see I, I I can't get the '50s out of my mind when I see this stuff. But it's the same thing. It was like you know if you ever look at really look at the early '80s, it was just a continuation of the seventies. And it wasn't till like, it wasn't till like the mid to late eighties when everything got all neon and, you know, MTV, you know, stuff like that. So it's, it's the same thing here. It's a lot of that fifties stuff. Yeah. It's just carrying over. Cause yeah, <laughs> like it is crazy. very hard to separate like, cause Why everything is, is still very much the fifties. Right. There's no hippies around and you know, that type of stuff. And, but also too, if this is supposed to be small town USA, a lot of times it takes a minute for popular culture to catch up. So it would, you know, make sense that it was, but I, I mean, I just think this is just what it was back then. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't the counterculture, you know, hippie type thing that we always associate with the sixties or you know, Vietnam war wasn't even, wasn't kicked off yet in 1962. So there's none of that typical 60s stuff that we're thinking of. So that's where I'm like, well, this must be the fifties. <laughs> Did you want to plug anything um, that listeners can, where listeners can find you or listen to any of the shows that you have have done? Yeah, yeah, sure, I'd love to. Um, and obviously, I just mentioned uh, the Vietnam War, and uh, so I'm, you know, kind of do a terrible transition into my plug of the Marine Corps movie Minute, <laughs> where I'm a co-host of that, where we break down movies in the Marine Corps one minute at a time, and where I'm trying to go with uh, the Vietnam you know, segue was, the first movie we did was Heartbreak Ridge, starring Clint Eastwood, who was a Korean War and Vietnam veteran. We did that one minute at a time, that is completely in the bag. We had a lot of fun doing that, and I'm hoping here in the very near future to get rolling on a another movies by Marine Corps movie minute by minute and speaking of Vietnam it would be Full Metal Jacket that's that's on uh, you know a few little one-off things here and there and of course if anybody wants to find us we're on your Facebook and just you can literally just google Marine Corps movie minute podcast and you can find us we're on Instagram and all that stuff just pulls up so there we are all right and listeners to this show can also find us on facebook at mel's listeners drive-in group and yeah just google us and find us on um like instagram and twitter also and i just wanted to say thank you to brian for being um on with us for this particular section of the movie as we close in on the end yeah, I uh, I appreciate you having me on, and, and after this long night of podcasting, I want to go to sleep. Yeah, I just want to go and order some ice and put it on my face and go to sleep. <laughs> just don't get your don't get your car stolen. <laughs> yeah, I hope not. I don't know how to hot ride a car. <laughs> All right, well, listeners, join us back here tomorrow for another episode of American Good